comes Hurst, he's got some people are on the pitch, they think it's all over. It is now, it's clear. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket, on Dougie Stone Radio. In association with Inspired to Change Bristol, helping to get your life back on track. About that then, Dread Zone, Dougie Stone Radio, Season Ticket Time. It's Wednesday night, but can only mean one thing, and I literally feel like I am missing out altogether. When I'm playing songs for you guys, these lads just look like they're having the absolute time. What am I missing now? Are we on a radio show? Yeah, they just have well, a nice chat. Yeah, it? it's just like, it's like a lot of guys in the pub, isn't it? Which is great for you guys. But when I'm <laughs> this side, low, when yeah. I'm this side, yeah. What's, that, we got, what's Lowy got going on there? Kind of Thatcher's that, on the game. Thatcher's, I think, yeah, yeah. Is that a bit of rascal, Lowy? No, cloudy. No, lemon. Oh, it's lemonade, right? Okay. Cloudy lemon. It's, it's, it's the new one. It's lemonade. It's the new one, Mark. Ash is a big it's fan rather, of the cloudy lemon, aren't you? Some good it's stuff. Rather, I it's am. rather yeah. nice. Is it? And the rosé as well. I've, I've never, it's I've nice. never had it. I've never had it. I've got to be honest. But the rosé is lovely. The rosé is lovely. Yeah. Good stuff. You right. Treat yourself, Brim. Good evening. I'll give that a go. Thanks for that. I'll, 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 I'll try that. Um, <laughs> so good evening. It's Brimo. It's Lado. It's the boys on the bench uh, from the season ticket. We got Kev. We got Ash. We got Dan. We got Lowy. And we've got the finest hairdo in South Gloucestershire in the form of Lance. So, how are we doing, guys? You okay? Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we're good. You're, well, you're welcome. Yeah, you're fine, mate. You're fine. You can slip me a fiver later. That's all good. It's all good. <laughs> right. No worries. So, um, topic for this week. Uh, and before we get going, really exciting news because we launched the season ticket podcast last week, um, which involves a fair bit of work from me. I've got to be honest, but I think it was worth it. You, you guys have had a little listen to them now, or I think it's brilliant. Yeah. That's fantastic. Lowy's Superb not, stuff. You're not bothered, Lowy, no? No, I can't be lost. Okay. <laughs> Feel, feeling the love there. Absolutely. So, big news. On Spotify, you can check out the Season Ticket podcast at your leisure. So, if you're out with the missus and she is driving you berserk, then just berserk plug in. Is. Plug in to the boys on the Season Ticket and we have got you covered. And as of tomorrow, that will also be on iTunes. So, that is well exciting news for us. So Amazing news. Great stuff. Well done, Mark. We're, we're flying. We're all over it. We're all over it. So... Um, before we get going, uh, tweets of the week. Has anybody got anything? No, that, no. This is wicked. No. I, I love this, uh, Dan. I've, I did spot one a bit earlier on, and it was um, it was about Lewis Hamilton because um, he's been quite outspoken about the stuff that's going on in America. And, yes, and, he has. Yeah. And it was I, th- I think you mentioned him the other week. The the Formula One boss is it Wolf somebody? Toto Wolf. Toto, Toto Wolf, which is probably the greatest oh, name in sport. Amazing, yeah. It's, uh, and he, he's had to come out and defend Lewis Hamilton today, which I think is unbelievable. Well, yeah, Lewis is quite outspoken about it all, as he should be, really. Yeah, I completely um, agree with him for once. But I think perhaps he was a little bit misjudged because he came out saying that he stands alone and nobody else has bothered to say anything. Um, and I think the others yeah. felt... They were trying to pick what they should say or whether it was their place to say anything at this point, I think. It's a difficult one to get doing. right sometimes, those things. Yeah, aren't they? it is. But, I um, think that's what they're being careful of. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was, it was good. Yesterday, everybody sort of was really in support of what was going on around the world, weren't they? So I thought that was Definitely, that was that yeah. was brilliant. Definitely. So, uh, um, Kev, you've got on a belting social media post, haven't you? <laughs> well, it's, it's not a tweet of the week, Mark, but this is something that cropped up on my Facebook yesterday. A colleague from work shared a photo. Somebody shared a picture that somebody put on 
saying they'd found this photo outside Morrison's yesterday and it says mum and dad 1955 on the back there's a picture of like a young couple there on there and she's put it out there saying can we try and you know grab up a bit of support and so we can find these people and somebody's answered in the comments I'm not going to say her name because she's a colleague um, you, you realise that's George and Lorraine McFly from Back to the Future <laughs> that's amazing I, would, I mean I, just, I, just, I don't think I would have really bothered telling her the truth I'd have just let her carry on because it's uh, well, she, He's really not the sort to t- take the joke as well. Oh, either. really? She feels you. Are they a regular listener to the station? No, they really. I don't think she would be. No. All right. Okay. They're not there anyway. No. And and the no. big the big question on everybody's lips is how you feeling? I'm very well, thank you. You're all right. You had a bar. I know you had a barbecue. You had a barbecue last week. That was and that was yeah, a bit of an acid right. That was my own work. I can rely on my own food. It's when I have it in from anywhere else. Yeah, clearly, so, yeah, I'm, clearly. I'm all fine. Fair play. You're all worrying about me. Yeah, no, we just I just enjoyed just enjoyed the moment. It was just one of the one of the. We keep having these sort of great. I keep thinking that like Lance has topped out with the darts thing, and then you, you, ashes then popped up with your stomach. Sort of Olymp- yeah. Olymp- you had your own Olympic Games the week before. Um, yeah, just well, this, yeah. this thing. Well, we're, 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 Talking of uh, Olympic rings. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Last Lado's got. I was just yeah. about, I was yeah. just about yeah. to get to the point where I was going to say the thing that I'm most impressed about is that Lado has still got his toilet humour from when we were 11. And you've only got to mention somebody breaking wind, and Lado is gone. Here you go. Classic. Right there. He's right there. there. He's there already. He's like, there already. Press, pressing a button. Right, Lado. Um, what is our topic of the week this week? Oh, we got an absolute belt. In fact, the, in fact, the audience chose tonight's topic uh, last week, and it's the um, greatest what, sporting comebacks. Some of our favourite sporting comebacks, whether it, it might be um, within a game, whether it might be within a career, uh, within a tournament, whatever. But it's our sports men and women and teams that have made that, that really exciting comeback. And let's face it, we all we all have a comeback because it just gets you on the edge of your seat. So uh, looking forward to there are some absolute belters from the bench today. It's Amazing. So have you been you've been sent them all in earlier? So I, see, I, been, I love this because it's all a big surprise to me. I never know what's coming. Yeah, I I, I, I have to apologise to Ash publicly because he he well, he was a bit late with his idea, but then I, I let him go with one of his ideas and then realised that Chef already had it. So Ash has been. Busy making notes for the last four hours, so he's he's all right. He's on it. Okay, uh... we got four hours notice. <laughs> that's, that's when he's at his happiest. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. yeah. He's yes. in that man cave, away from the family. He pretends <laughs> on air. They, he's this big family man, but what he loves more than anything in the world is getting in that man cave, shutting that door. <laughs> Self-isolating from the rest of the fo- no. Sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth. I'm not talking. Um, so, are you okay, Ash? You got everything? I'm all sorted. Yeah, I've only pa- got five. Five pages tonight. Oh, that's, a <laughs> that's a massive disappointment. Isn't it? Right. Um, food question of the week uh, is: What is the most hideous thing you have ever eaten? Now, and I know as soon as I posted this out, I realised I left myself wide open again. Uh, to, and we've had a few weird replies, which won't get read Probably out. Nice. But uh, yeah. Um, so the most hideous thing you've ever eaten. So it can be anything, really, I suppose. But uh, so that is the question. So Lado, where did they go? If they want to send either their top three greatest sporting comebacks or the most hideous thing they've ever eaten. We're likely to get more of the food, aren't we now? But um, they can tweet us at Season Ticket DSR. Kev, we haven't done this for a while. What does DSR stand for? Dougie Stone Radio. Good man. I love that They can leave a message on Facebook or they can message us any other way that they can get through to us. And there's one on on, on the website as well, but Brimo, you're going to have to... Yeah, dougiestoneradio.com, message the show, little drop-down box, look for Brimo. Send anything you want to send. 
if it can be read out, it will get read out. I mean, we read most things out. In fairness, um, you know, we I think we f- we sell pretty close to the wind on this show. So and beyond. Um, so yeah, when Laddie goes quiet, you know, he's just gone over that line, that <laughs> that pillar of the community line that Lado has. He just goes to, goes quiet. And we know, we know that I've crossed the line always. Um, speaking of which, uh, Hertha Berlin, Lance. Oh yes. I'm like yeah. the, the celebrity fan of the year, but what's that? Ten points from twelve now since I've been supporting them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, ten, 10 points on twelve Good. in a massive game against Dortmund to come this weekend. Yeah, that's so, going to uh, be a nil point. In fairness, this, this... well, I don't know. They they might have Haaland out. Hummels is out. Is so uh, there's a good chance. You can have uh, a few quid on Berlin, Lowy, this weekend. No, I should go big on Dortmund. Thanks, mate. Ah, oh, Lowy. <laughs> it's always. Great. <laughs> All these segues we build up and then Lowy just knocks them down again, doesn't he? <laughs> right. Let's get on with the show. It's Dougie Stone Radio season ticket. So the top three greatest sporting comebacks and Lowy, you're up first, mate. I am not. You're up first. So where are we going? Where, where are we heading we're, first? We're going to America first. Okay. We're going to the US Masters. Okay. In, in 1996. Right. I didn't think we're you going were going to go for that one. I thought you were going to go for a more modern one, but yeah, go, that's cool. Do you, do you want a more modern one? No, no, just go with what you've got. It's absolutely fine. I should keep my mouth shut. Okay. okay um, apparently, well, Nick Faldo said it was the only time he felt so, sorry for somebody he'd beaten. <laughs> who, who did he beat? Okay. He beat Greg Norman. Uh, okay. So Greg Norman takes a six-shot lead into the final round. And ends up losing the Masters by five. Wow. So there's a, just in case you're not sure, there's an 11 shot swing. You can tell you're a math teacher, can you? <laughs> well, <laughs> so basically, basically, Greg said he screwed up. It's all on me. Um, but he also acknowledged that Faldo played a superb round under huge pressure. That's a hell and, of a uh, swing, isn't it? 11 shots. It is. Um, and, and Nick Faldo later suggested that by the by the mid by the mid 90s he was beginning to feel the pressure yeah and uh you know it wasn't as easy as his, his previous ones um i mean he'd made a plan nick had to go three within three after nine holes um but he actually came off the 12th leading by two right. and said it was, and said it was his to lose um hit some wonderful shots a very famous two iron for those golfers out there because um, his five wood wouldn't lie flat on the fairway. So he hit a two iron, 220 yards, and, and absolutely nailed it, basically. Have we got any golfers uh, on the team? Yeah, apart me. Apart from Lowy? No. All right, no. Okay. Thanks, for, thanks for the feedback. That's great. Um, okay, so that is um, number one. Yeah, very exciting. I mean, yeah, just just a little. Greg Norman shot a 78. Nick Faldo shot a 67 in the final. Wow. End of. So, yeah, that's um, serious to win anything, doesn't it? I guess. Yeah, but you could, you, you know, you can look at it both ways. You could say Norman collapsed, but you can also say Faldo stuck at it and came back and won it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I. That's what I want to look at. Cool. Okay, that's me. Number one. Number two. Yes. I'd like to acknowledge the Headingley Test match of last year, where Ben Stokes and Jack Leach put on that fantastic partnership to beat the Australians. Yeah. But I actually want to go a bit further back in time to 2005 and the classic Ashes series, which turned a lot of people who weren't cricket watchers onto watching yeah, cricket. Yeah, that's fair. 
losing the losing the first test at Lords by two hundred and thirty nine. Um, we, we we probably all know, but Graham McGlath stepped on a ball at Edgebaston. Second test, England went out and whacked four hundred in a day. Uh, our boy from Bristol, Marcus Triscothic, scored a fantastic ninety. And on the Sunday, they won by two runs. Yeah. We got back to one all. Um, next test was a draw at Old Trafford. Australia celebrated like they'd won it. Um, famously, on the last day, there was 23,000 in the ground, 20,000 locked outside. England went 2-1 up at Treadbridge, uh, asking the Australians to follow on for the first time in 17 years and made quite a tricky job of making 130 to win it, but um, got there with three wickets to spare. And then uh, at the oval, the last test, uh, we just we played really well and held on for a draw. First time we won the Ashes in 18 years. The whole team gets awarded MBEs. Michael Vaughan gets an OBE. Yeah. Fam- famously, Shane Warren had a real good pop at Collingwood for getting a 17 <laughs> runs. 17 runs for an MBE. So. I love um, I love Shane Warren. I think he's great. He's great. Yeah, but... he does. He. he uh, he adds value to the game and uh, sport in general. I think. I think you could almost that that very last test of that series, you could almost um, put the England team forward for what they did in that afternoon session as a, a, a massive comeback. Because at lunch they were almost gone, weren't they? Yes, they were. I yes, mean, they were. Was, that ball was moving all over the place, and they didn't. Just England didn't know what to do with it, did they? And KP that afternoon. Yeah, Peterson had been famously dropped by Warren Hanley just before lunch. Yeah. And then um, I think there was a decision made that they were going to go and play shots after lunch and, and KP came out and played like a man possessed. Yeah, yeah, he did. I, rem- I remember putting my work down at the time and just watching it. Yeah. I remember, I, thought, I was at I thought, work and never, I mean, people, I used to work at a builder's merchant and yeah. uh, we had a little TV on in the corner and people just came in to, to the store or the trade counter area and it was full of people just, just watching cricket, they weren't doing anything else. Yeah, um, that's all they were interested in doing. I think that's how two thousand gripped the nation. Actually, yeah. two thousand and five. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, th- I always liked cricket before, but I can't say I actually sat down and watched day after day after day of Test match, and I definitely did that year. It was the first real time I've sat and watched a whole series. I can honestly say that's the only time I think I've watched every minute of a five five series Test match because yeah. it's during the school holidays. And at the time we had, you know, we had this guy to watch it, and you just lost yourself. And you think, oh, just another over, just another over. I go and do something. Oh, just yeah. another over, and yeah. you lost the day. And then I watched the, the two-hour highlights in the evening because yeah. I was just gripped by it. And like, like I said, yeah, it was I, on I, Channel I, I, Four then as well, wasn't it? So it was free to air. Every anybody could get it. And I think yeah, that was yeah. that. That was the last test that actually was on terrestrial TV. I think that I think. that was mainly Sky, wasn't it? No, I think most of that was Sky. No, no. Channel Four. It's, it's it was a Channel huge Four. Option. Yeah. Channel 4 took it, and then Sky sort of like... I mean, that's what enticed Sky in, I think, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think Sky do an amazing job of cricket, but I, I think, you know, watching your national team should be... I mean, that's a whole new debate. Should be on terrestrial TV anyway, but there you go. There you go. Sorry, Louis, we digressed a little bit, as I'm famous for. Uh, so, you're number three. My number three... Um... Thanks to you guys, and I really believe this is the case. I've, I've got back into American sport, and um, I want to I want to bring up the Super Bowl. Okay, uh, the most recent Super Bowl actually, where Kansas City Chiefs won for the second time in fifty years. Yeah, and I'd like to uh, 
I'd like to mention a young man called Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Who, t- who turned a 10-point deficit into a win. Yeah. Um, and he did that in all three games in postseason. I was just going to say that they had an incredible one. playoff, didn't they? They just yeah, came... They, uh, was it the semi? The, the, is it the first game or the second game? They came from like 30 or points down. Uh, do you know what? Ash probably would know, know that. But <coughs> Yeah, they had, uh, they had about two or three games where there was two or three scores down, weren't they? Every time Mahomes got the ball, they scored. You, you, some magic was going to happen. Yeah. And I, and I think it was the one game where the defence sort of trotted out the way and, and let him run through for a, for a running touchdown. But yeah, yeah he's, mag- he's dynamite, isn't he? Yeah. Fear facts. But you're right, Lowy. I think, I think we've all... Definitely, but well, certainly I have. I've got much more into American sport over the last, well, certainly on this period that we've all been at home watching sports <laughs> documentaries. And um, but but that is being educated by Ash. I think a lot of that. Um, and I bring up the fact that Patrick is not twenty five years old, and he was he was also sacked four times in the final. Yeah, and intercepted in the Super Bowl. Sorry, and then. And with six minutes thirteen seconds left, he um, he starts them on the road and, and and they notch up three touchdowns. It's amazing. Yeah, it's isn't a it? great performance by him. Great. Performance. And, the rest, great and the rest is the rest is history. He's a bit of an all rounder, isn't he? He was a really good baseball player as well, wasn't he? he I think yeah, he was drafted the only person to be drafted in the first round for for both. Yeah, his old man was a Big, uh, pitch as well, based yeah, on the Mets. Yeah, could do with him, no yeah. match, can we? <laughs> but that's another story that's another story good stuff that's brilliant Louis. so US Masters 96 2005 Ashes and the Kansas City Chiefs um, for the last Super Bowl love it all good stuff Mark can I just mention one more thing you, yeah you can if you want Luton beating Arsenal at Wembley yeah Little, Little Woods Cup final 2-1 yeah. two, down 2-1 two, down with 6 minutes to play one of the great Little Woods Cup finals that was wasn't it Probably the greatest, I would suggest. Yeah, I think you probably would. My big <laughs> Al, my dad, big Al was actually in attendance that day. He went and watched it. Still to this day, I don't know how he managed to get a ticket for that, but he did. He did. Right. Very, very, very special. Good stuff. Right, I've handed the playlist over to you lads tonight. Well, most of you anyway. I think I think you've all sort of partaken in that, haven't you? Uh, Loey, your choice was the Foo Fighters. Then it was a bit of Elton John, but... I've listened to that on John track and you're not having that. You can have the Foo okay. Fighters. <laughs> so we're going to play a, a bit of Monkey Wrench for you. Is that all right? Oh, Monkey Wrench. One of my favourites. That's it then. That's it. Done. Dougie Stone Radio. Season ticket. Scrimmer Lado and the boys on the bench. Dougie Stone Radio. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Just say, Alexa, open internet radio. Right. I didn't do that, love you. What's the most serious no, you thing you've ever Larry. written? Sorry, bro. What's the most hideous thing you've ever eaten? Uh, I, I can't comment. I, I like everything I. Eat. I've, I've never, I've never found anything. You've never um, eaten anything you've never liked. No, I don't think so. If I, if I can, I can't remember it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Amazing. He's just a legend, isn't he? I mean, he's like. <laughs> more scientific. He makes his own rules. If, if we, if we were Colombia, you would be Pablo, Pablo Escobar. I'm telling you, you would be. <laughs> You would be the man we all bow to. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, Lance, how are we doing? Good, yeah, mate. not, not bad, right? mate. You right? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm good. Not too bad at all, thank you. Right, before I forget, what's the most hideous thing you've ever eaten? Um, so, yeah, I was just telling the lads uh, during the break. Um, again, we're like, Lowy, I haven't really eaten anything which I felt like um, hasn't been too bad. But um, a girl came back from work uh, once and she had a bag of them like holiday sweets. 
Um, and they were oh, like right. going, they were going around a bit. Um, got to like the last few. They must have been in the bottom of a handbag or something because they were just covered in perfume. I ate one. They were just like cases of this perfume. Absolutely, it was like orange or something. But yeah, just like so perfume. I had, like, uh, perfume. I had a uh, perfume like on my tongue for about five hours after that. Ridiculous. <laughs> Like, <laughs> not in that way. Not in that way, lads. It's all right. Good work, lads. Good work. Not in that way. Please get carried away. Lance, again. I've had a perfume on my tongue for about five hours. You say, what can we, I say? We all know which the outtake of the week's going to be, don't we? We know that now, don't we? Well, there we go. Lance wins well, again. Oh, he's like a welcome. little competition who could say the thing is going to get made into the outtake. Brilliant. Right. Anyway, moving on. Um, moving your, t- on. your top, your top three <laughs> sporting comebacks. Cool. So yeah, going into a bit of a reverse order with this. So okay. third one first. Um, so is the Champions League semi-finals from last year. So it's two for the price of one. Okay. Um, so Liverpool versus Barcelona, which I think was on the Tuesday night. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool went into that second leg three 0 down. Um, they needed a quick start in order to get going, and that certainly came when uh, Divock Origi scored in the sixth minute. Yeah. Um, and then in the second half, uh, Gigi Wijnaldum added two goals early in the second half to make things level in the 53rd and 55th minute. So all of a sudden, the game becomes level, 3-3, free, free, and then you're looking into a situation where we could be going into half, um, extra time. 78th minute occurs, and then... It's that quick thinking from Trent Alexander-Arnold. That corner, like, just catches that Barcelona defence flat-footed. Apart from, you know, Divock Origi, who was alert to bang in what turned out to be the winner. Liverpool win 4-0, and uh, they're through to the final. And if that wasn't enough, Ajax versus Spurs was the next night. Ajax are 1-0 up from the first leg. They then go 2-0 up in the 90 minutes, uh, which is 3-0 on aggregate even. And then it's the Lucas Mora show. He bangs in a hat trick with that final goal yeah. being in the last <laughs> kick of the game. And like, I don't know what you were like, but it was one of those rare moments and you watch it as a neutral where even I was lifted up off, off your seat, seat when yeah. that goal went yeah. in. It, unbelievable. It was incredible like, for it, 24 hours, wasn't it? It was... Yeah. The, like, the biggest comeback of all that for me was Harry Kane on the bench. He was unable to move for about three months before. <laughs> Suddenly, he could sprint as he got on that pitch, didn't he? He loved it, didn't he? Yeah, like, um, I, I was watching the highlights of it earlier today, and yeah, like, they mentioned that on the commentary, and yeah. I completely forgot about that then. But, you know, you wait forever for a football miracle sometimes, and then that particular week, we had two yeah. in the same week. The, 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 the Liverpool one, you know, Liverpool in Europe never ceased to amaze me. If any club in the world was going to do that to Barcelona... You Europe, never write them off, do you? You never write them off. And at home, it's going to be Liverpool. Yeah, but Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold that night just looked like the best fullback ever. Yeah, he was incredible. I think he set up uh, Gigi's uh, second goal as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, that, he, the, he the way he thought that corner out, just yeah. literally... It's clever. He, he, we well, couldn't have seen it for more more than a split second, could he? That they no. just switched off and... And what's great about that is um, Origi's playing at a time where you've got three great forwards in Firmino, Mane and, and Salah. 
but the Liverpool fans love him because he's when he's come on, he's contributed, and he's yeah. he's always going to be a legend in that team wherever it goes, wherever happens. Yeah. He's going to he's a permanent legend. Some in of that, Liverpool's in that team greatest that moments have been with people in the team that just should never be like Jimmy Chiori in the when they won the, the final. <laughs> yeah. That's 2005, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. And, then, uh, and, then, and that strike dude, force dude, that yeah. night. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So they've just yeah. done it in the most incredible circumstances. Yeah, but no, that, was, that was the beauty of it. Like, was it two goals from Origi and two goals from Wijnaldum? Yeah. No Salah or Firmino in yeah, well, You wouldn't expect any goals from those two, would you, generally speaking? Yeah, absolutely. But, but it's, it was uh, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Brilliant. I love that. Great start. Next one. Cool. Uh, so the next one is the miracle at Medina, the Ryder Cup 2012. Yeah. Um, after the first two days of play in the tournament, um, Europe are left with a tall order. They're 10-6 down to the States. Uh, they, the States only need four and a half points to yeah. win out the 12 games in the single session on the third day. But Europe <coughs> need eight points to retain the cup and eight and a half to win. Um, 12 singles matches to be played over the course of that day. So the odds were firmly stacked against Europe. Uh, McElroy, Poulter, Rose, Westwood were amongst those who helped them claw the deficit back to level. And then Martin Keimer hit a five-foot uh, five putt in the 18th to defeat Steve Stricker to make it 14-13. Yeah. At that point, it's just to retain the cup. Amazing. One match left. Ooh. Europe needed that half a point. And they got that in the Tiger Woods versus Francesco uh, Molinari match. Wood misses a putt on the final green and concedes the hole. Team Europe have completed one of the best sporting comebacks by winning 14 and a half to 13 and a half after that deficit from the night before. Amazing. Incredible stuff. The yeah. Ryder Cup, never, for me, the Ryder Cup never, ever, ever fails to deliver. Yeah. Uh, I love it. <clears throat> I, um, golf. It's probably the only like event I watched over the years, and like through watching that every you know couple yeah. of years, I, I've got into like a little bit more of it now. The Open and the Masters, and yeah, and the I, I don't. It's, I mean, I've got to be honest, golf's not something I tend to watch on the TV, but I do do like it. Who was it that um, who partnered Molinari last when last time out? Fleetwood. Fleet. Yeah, he was. He was a season ticket mascot, wasn't he? For well, yeah, we loved him, didn't we? Did we <laughs> we some... loved it. Yeah, we loved Fleetwood. Yeah. What was his, what's his first name? Tommy. Tommy yeah. Fleetwood. Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood. Yeah, that was it. Sounded like he should have been sort of taking the tickets on a on a fun fair, didn't he? You know, he's that kind of. Yeah. But he was just yeah. amazing, wasn't he? Yeah. Just the what I loved about that. What I loved about that comeback was um, just the American crowd at the start of that, of that last day was so kind of really raucous and really arrogant, like they were going to romp away with it. And it was great to see the crowd slowly just be completely silenced absolutely yeah. and on another side note of that it was um a year after Seve Ballesteros's death wasn't it um so like I think the team Europe dedicated that win to him amazing and uh, it was just yeah just a perfect has it been gone that long you Seve is it didn't realize it had been that long yeah yeah um yeah wow. nine nine years or so now sad times Mad. sad times okay yeah. and your third one mate Third one. So <laughs> I'll start this one off with a, a quote from a, a man I admire very much Joe Rogan um, who, who says, I love a success story, but even more than a success story, I like a dude who messes his life up and gets his life together again story. He's like me, uh, though. <laughs> he might do. <laughs> and this one goes out to Tyson Fury. Right. Uh, which I feel like that yeah. quote goes down very, very well yeah. with. Yeah, no, absolutely. In 2015, he beats Vladimir Klitschko. And then a, a year later, he had to vacate uh, the titles that he won in that fight due to being charged with anti-doping violations. 
on the aftermath of that, he suffers from a whole host of mental health issues. He balloons in weight, 30 stone or so. Um, and then in 2018, after getting over that, he announces he would reapply for his boxing license and work hard to get that weight off, work hard on his mental health. Has a couple of fights, which leads him into a fight with Deontay Wilder. That first fight ended in a draw with that amazing scene, which I think was in the 11th or 12th round where he got knocked out. By, where he got knocked down to the ground by Wilder and then he got up as if he was like the Undertaker in his prime. Yeah. <laughs> I should yeah. get up. <laughs> I yeah. 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 But um, Absolutely. unbelievable uh, scenes from that. They then fight again earlier this year, back in February. And, you know, they said Wilder couldn't be beat. He's, you know... But then he's just like a one punch, you know. Did they really say that about Wilder? Because there's, yeah, yeah he's like, not a they, boxer at all, is he? No, like I always thought he could be got at. Yeah, um, and Fury does him like you know quite handsomely as well. Yeah, um, and and with all that, it was amazing to see that sort of journey, which took what four years, like for him to get back yeah. to the promised land. And you know, he's a champion of mental health now. Um, he wrote a best-selling book last year. Um, like, to be honest with you, I always found him quite divisive, but over the years, yeah, you know, particularly with, with all this sort of mental health stuff, like he's, he's really become like an icon in someone who I, you really like, which I, I dare not say I couldn't have said that four or five years ago. Yeah. Doing great stuff on Instagram during this pandemic as well. He's live every nine o'clock in the morning, like doing like workouts and stuff like, <laughs> and it, yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really fun. Like, you know, you can like sort of join in with him and I just think he's a great bloke. We, we um, should really, do that. Really we should de- we should nominate a member of the team every every morning to jump on the season ticket Instagram and, <laughs> and do a PE workout. <laughs> I, yeah, well, we got, looking thrilled by that. Prospect. We've got at least one PE teacher amongst us that would be up for that. But I'm looking forward to my my day. Would be awesome. With a cooked breakfast. This is the this is the knife. <laughs> this is the knife and fork routine. No. The right arm, the left yeah, arm. Yeah, look at that. Pump that iron. Pump that iron. Yeah, no, I think I think that'd be awesome. We should definitely not do that then. All right, okay, okay. Uh, Good stuff, Lance. Lovely. Uh, your thank you. your song choice was a bit of Def Leppard. Yes. I didn't think it wouldn't be rock. In fairness. <laughs> so, I did try and go a little bit different. I wasn't you know, expecting R and B from you. I gotta say, but no, uh, not today. Good stuff. Do you want to introduce it? Uh, yeah, certainly. This is uh, Def Leppard. With photograph. There you go. Dougie Stone Radio, season ticket. We're going to rock your socks off now for the next few minutes. Dougie Stone Radio. We're freaking rocking. That's Def Leppard, Dougie Stone Radio, and photograph. It's the season ticket with Brimo, Lado, and the boys on the bench. Got a message in from Kaz May, a good friend of Lance's, and she says she is loving listening to this tonight. So um it's clearly it was all the perfume perfume on the lips that did that i reckon uh lance has won the day yet again for the most bizarre comment to come out of the show uh, as always sitting very uncomfortably over there right now look at it yeah lance is squirming microphone all right lance you okay you're all right mate since you've had for once i'm lost for words mate mate since you've had that new hair done that new font you've got going on and you've just turned into a different animal i don't know what's going on i I, I can't feel we I feel we bully Lance more than Dan now. It's, it's yeah, moving around. So. Yeah, it's great. I love I, it. I can't. You sure, Dan? I can't wait. Sure? I can't wait for the football to get back. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase that pays is going to be awesome, isn't it? It's oh be... God! Uh, you thought it was bad before. It's going to be even worse Jesus, now, isn't it? Yeah, there'll be a lot of uh, stuff going on with Jesus Christ. Yeah, there'll be lots of stuff going on anyway. <laughs> Lado's gone. Lado's suddenly gone quiet. Right. <laughs> Seems to get Dunstone Radio. How you doing? It's Brumo. 
with Lado and Kev and Ash and Dan and Loey and Lance. So we're talking tonight about what your top three greatest sporting comebacks are and also what the most hideous thing you have ever eaten is. Um, we've had a few of those in. Uh, Lado, have you got any sort of stuff coming in from listeners? Oh, yeah. You thought, I'm, I'm ready to do my bit, and now you want me to listen to the words. Yes, I do. I've got a few. So, um, uh, Lennon, he's, uh, he agrees about the Champions League semi-final uh, with Liverpool-Barcelona. Um, Riley, there are football ones, to be honest. Riley is a very keen United fan, and obviously 1999 Champions League. I think someone's going to mention that later. Cool. Uh, Holly, she she mentions Leeds United, but I said they've not come back yet. Um, but she's she's still waiting for the moment when Leeds make it back. She was it was in hope. It was in hope. So uh, we'll give it. We'll yeah. give her that. They they looked and, on course to do it, and the world went <laughs> decided world to take some time out, didn't they? Did it? so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it basically, it was, they look like they were finally going to do it after all the mishaps, and then something else comes in. So it's uh, it's obviously not going to happen for them. No. And Harry Harry, who's an Aston Villa fan, was keen to mention to me about like, 2015. FA Cup semi-final against Liverpool where they came back from Wendell down to get to the final. Right. But lost the final as I let them know. So, um, yeah, some good ones there. Listen. Good stuff. Excellent. Right, Lado. Uh, you're, you're up now. So where have you gone? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've gone for some fairly obvious ones, I think, to be honest. So I'm going to start off with the the, the programme many of us, have, I think most of us, have been watching with the, um, the Last Dance. Yeah. Uh, it feels... I don't think I think everybody avoided it because we talked about it so much. I won't spend too much time too much time on it. But Michael Jordan, obviously winning the NBA title in '91, '92, '93, and then retiring and going to play baseball, and you know, and sort of trying to make a career in baseball. And actually, the more you watch it, you realise he was with time. He was probably he probably could have done something with it to me because the guy is an immense sportsman. Yeah. But to come back from that. Um, almost, almost get you know the the Bulls to the you know to the finals. It wasn't they, he wasn't quite physically ready, and and then to come back for the next three seasons to win another three titles. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he, they, they win. He clearly, he clearly is the reason why they win. Yes, Scotty Pippen was there every single time, so yeah. you could argue who needs more most. But um, to come back and just to have, make that much of a difference. I think we've, we've talked about how much of a difference a player makes to a team. And, you know, I, I very much believe he's probably has the most impact on any team. Um, but that's another discussion probably for another show. Yeah. But um, to I'm come gl- back with I'm glad people, you picked it because when I was looking, when I, did, I sort of did an Instagram post to promote the show today, I intentionally picked a Michael Jordan picture in the number 45 shirt for that reason. Yeah. Um, Plays... 45 didn't play like 23 of these. So no. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah. You're, abs- you're absolutely right. You know, yeah, we've done it to death, haven't we? And we're going to try and we, do... We have done, we have done it to We're going to try and do a little podcast, aren't we, on, on The Last Dance at some stage if we can get ourselves together. But Yeah, well, I finished watching it for the second time with Liz and she loved it. You yeah, know, and, I've watched it and, twice. Uh, and it was interesting to see her reaction. And like me, she thought he was really, really good. She really liked him. I know he can be a bit edgy. You can see that competitive nature, but... You know, she liked his manner about it. He had the aspects of winner in him. Not, not, not the aspect that Ash has with the being a winner. Where, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Well, like players, the Ramos. The Ramos Win- issue. Winner at all costs. I'm no, going to do, do a Twitter tw- a poll on that this week uh, with, about Ramos. And is he is is he uh, either A, like Ash says, a born winner, or is he B, something that we can't really talk about on the radio? Because yeah, I, I, I think on. there's one move or the on. other with him, isn't there? So... Um, so yeah, you're right. Right. So that's Michael Jordan is your first one. 
That's my, that's my really obvious one is, is obviously going to be Liverpool 2005 uh, Champions League final against AC Milan in Istanbul. Yeah. Um, I mean, AC Milan, what a team. I mean, look, if I, I'm going to roll down their, their team sheet, their starting team sheet. Adida, Cafu, Stam, Nesta, Maldini, Perlo, Gatsua, Seedoff, Kaka, Shevchenko and Crespo. I just, every, every time I, I watch that again, to, to realise, wow, what a team they had. A little bit some great players, but they had, they had some players that probably wouldn't go down in, in legendary folklore for uh, for being great players for Liverpool. But they how they won that. So they started off. Um, Rafa says don't give away free kicks because they're very good at free kicks. Jimmy Traore um, gives away a free kick, uh, fouling Kaka, Perlo to Maldini, goal one nil, one minute. In fact, I missed the first goal because I was late. Surprisingly, getting to uh, my my mates and Liverpool fans, and they were one nil down already. Harry Kuehl goes off injured. That was Harry Kuehl playing was a surprise to many people, but it was part of Rafa's plans to want to attack them. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, they get distracted later on. 2-0, 39 minutes, 2-0. Five minutes later, Kaka, Magic, Crespo scores again on 44 minutes, and it's 3-0, and they go in at halftime, 3-0 down. I mean, you know, you, I think before that, and now we t- everyone talks about the Istanbul now, and when you can come back for 3-0, but... They looked dead and buried. AC Milan just well, they murdered them in that first half. Yeah. Um, what's interesting to read, and I'm going to do a lot, because I've got my Gerard book and I've got my Carragher book, um, the, the, the disrespect that the Liverpool players felt that the AC Milan players showed them. Smirks from certain players, um, at Sue was the one they particularly wound them up, uh, waving at the fans and their family. They thought it was all over. They went into the into the change rooms, lots of chat from lots of players, lots of confusion with injuries to Finnan and, and other players and the problems. Um, Rafa comes in, silence. Now, I could read you a bit from Gerald's book, but, you know, probably not, not best there. But um, he comes in and he gives them the tactics. And he's, he's clinical with the tactics where he, he brings Haman on. He should have started, really. Uh, that, that free, they're able to control, I think they were able to control um, Kakamore. Um, and then it frees Gerard. Once he's done that tactical change, the number of different changes, he gives them the motivational bit and he, he gets them to listen. And this is what I love about the Liverpool fans is that they're 3-0 down and from, from the, the depths of the, the stadium, they can hear the Liverpool fans singing, you'll never walk alone. The Milan fans should be drowning them out. But the Liverpool fans, you'll never walk alone. They go back out and this is, this is the one game where one player completely changed the game. Steven Gerrard, 54 minutes, gets the goal. 56 minutes, Smitsa gets a goal. Gerald gets brought down, penalty, Alonso, penalty saved. Alonso calmly follows up, so six minutes changes everything. They probably hold on to penalties, to be honest, because Shevchenko missed a sitter, so I do that, got his body in the way. Um, he'll be out of haunting forever. And then they, they win on penalties. Uh, Liverpool, great record on penalties. Um, they, they kind of had no right, really, with the, the, who they had, but somehow... They galvanise and, and Stephen Gerrard rightfully man of the match, and and I think that's gone down. That's gone down as a statement. They talk about the Istanbul moment. You know, you want to talk yeah. about comebacks. People talk about Istanbul. You know, <laughs> if you're a football fan, you know exactly what you're talking about. Just say Istanbul. So great comeback. Um, uh, yeah, a great night, a really good night. So uh, I have a confession to make about that night. That Liverpool. Go on then. So it wasn't just the Milan team that thought Liverpool were dead and buried. I at halftime I decided I was going to go and do the washing up. And I, when I, I did the washing up, gave up on the came game, back. and then Glow came out and said, it's free all. And I went, what? 
and then then I was captivated again. But I miss Liverpool bringing it back <laughs> to three. Oh, I was in the kitchen mate, washing up. Man. Oh no! So um, yeah, that's my... quite breaks a bit, now, it? <laughs> my, uh, in fairness, they, you know, my team's Isn't never going to quite going to get to Champions League final. But yeah. What's that, Kevin? Yeah, about three yards off the line, isn't he, when he saves the penalty? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Miles I mean, off. All the rules are broken. I mean, dude, that with his, he, he repeats the, the grubble our crazy legs. Wherever he does it, it, it works, doesn't it? And, it does. and you're, you're right. Mean, the, you're right, lads. He was off and off the line, aren't they, with penalties? You're right, lads. They, the, the third goal, I think, Crespo scored. They were showboating, weren't they? Yeah. The ball threw from Kako, and it's like a little dink with the outside of his boot. Yeah. And they, they were just having a laugh. Yes. Yeah, they man. thought it was an exhibition match, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's... did Shevchenko miss it towards the end of the 90 when he missed from... I mean, Shevchenko never missed from two or three yards in his life, had he? Unless he was at Chelsea. Yeah, he didn't Yeah, he didn't score much, had no, he? But no, no. Um, for his 32 million. But, but yeah, and yeah, <laughs> everything conspired for Liverpool just to go and win that. We're probably one of the worst teams, worst 11. I'll just do a, look, a little look on Jimmy Chiori. And he is currently the assistant coach at the Seattle yeah, I mean, Sounders. He, That's that's just an interesting side. That's an interesting side. Yeah, yeah. You say that yeah, again. Just, I you mean, look, you got you got like Gerald and Carragher and Alonso. Um, will possibly make be, be in contention, but no. Uh, yeah, he went from anyway. winning the Champions League with Liverpool to signing for Charlton. So that's and he got sent off on his <laughs> in the debut for them as well. Anyway, moving on. Uh, it's just, it's, oh, Jimmy Chory's not listening. He's add Brian Tinian and Jimmy Chory to the list of people we don't really want on there. <laughs> Oh, at the end of the day, they won it. He was part of that team that won it, you know. So, yeah. you know, still fair crap. play to him. I still, one of the funniest moments of that game is Carragher. He's cramping up at the end of the game. Yet when that when they, they win it and do that, makes that save, Carragher's the first player to get down the pitch to celebrate. Somehow that cramp has disappeared and he's, he's able to get yeah. himself down there. So, yeah, great moment. Right, what's your third one? My final one, uh, one of a quite personally and that's I've used this many times in assembly is um, 1992 Barcelona Olympics Derek Redmond in the 400 metres semi-finals everyone's seen the, the scenes yeah. of uh, this, this athlete um, just to give the concept of, of the, the history he missed the Commonwealth Games in 86 due to injury he missed the 1988 Seoul Olympics due to injury um, he had a he's, he always struggled with injury but at this point he was he was in top form. He was being tipped to possibly win Olympic gold, possibly challenge the world record at the time. Um, he was in top, top form. He goes off and about 150, 170 metres in, hamstring snaps. About, as I said, about the size of a 50p, he had a hole in his hamstring where they went down that bad. Um, we've seen it. He goes down, but he gets up somehow. And he makes the decision he wants to finish because he's never actually finished. You know, he wants to finish that race. Yeah, and we've seen the scenes where he gets round and his dad's coming round. Um, and for me, the comeback there is that he could have chosen just to let the stretcher come on, take him off. But that fact he that epitomised the the Olympic value, the, 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 the values, the sporting values of of trying, of not giving up, of of persisting. And you know, yes, it's actually it's actually something he in some ways never wants to look at again. He's built a career, I guess, on it with motivational speakers yeah. um, since. But he, um, it just epitomises what sports should be about, about the, the not giving up. What people don't know about is following that, he has he has an operation on his hamstring to repair. In his attempt to come back for the following season, 
it happens again and again and again. Seven operations later, he eventually has to make the decision that he's not he's not going to be able to. Sprinting takes his toll on the body. Athletics takes his toll. Um, but that many operations. He actually then went and played basketball for the Birmingham Bullets because he wanted to you know continue to play a good level sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, just just love love the fact that he, he you know, the effort he put in. I mean, he, um, Lance gave a great quote. I mean, I got, got a couple of quotes similar to that. Uh, I mean, one's Rocky Balboa, but we love a Rocky quote. Life's not about how hard you get hit uh, or how, how hard you hit. Or, um, it's about how um, many times you can take and still keep moving forward. And to quote someone who um, is obviously world-round respected, Nelson Mandela, do not judge me by my successes, judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. And I just love that. For me, Derek Redmond, that's a, a classic. Uh, I love the fact we're... I, know, I love the fact we're... Uh, yeah, it we're, would be. We're, Lang. we're quoting film scripts now. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, Lance started it, so I had to follow up, mate. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. That's good. I mean, I mean, one of Derek Redmond's biggest successes was marrying Sharon Davis, surely. It's got to be up there, isn't it? In fairness. This is Lado's song. It's Chumbawamba, Dougie Stone Radio. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket, on Dougie Stone Radio, in association with Inspired to Change Bristol, helping to get your life back on track. So I've handed over the playlist to the lads tonight, which is um, created a bit of a debate. <laughs> Lots of people changing their minds about songs. It's right. I had uh, just trying to squeeze everything. <laughs> Kevin, you must have picked about three songs in you, I think, in the end, but... Uh, but we've managed yeah, to. I don't like to take too much of your valuable time. No, it's all right. I, I had Bruce Springsteen to finish, and then I thought, Kev, will, all right, I'll have to move that and change that around. Anyway, it's fine. We're all good. We're all good. Right, Dan, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. And you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. You've got a couple of messages in, haven't you? Yeah, I have, yeah. So I've, uh, I've got one from at NFL Mugs. Okay. It said the Cavaliers versus the Warriors in 2006 NBA. Cool. Where the uh, Cavs came back from one three down, yeah, and they won four three. It's the only team to do that cool. in history. I think. Okay, cool. Good stuff. That's a pretty good one. Good stuff. And I've got uh, one of my mates, Ben Thompson, said that if uh, one of the two miracles at Headingley, so the uh, both and one and the, and the and the recent Stokes one, if they aren't mentioned, then he's never listening to the to the uh, show again. Okay, <laughs> which is which is fair, shake. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's got a point. Uh, my my brother Adam said, uh, "King of the comeback is uh, Rocky Balboa, obviously against Apollo Creed, Clubber Lang, and Ivan Drago." Yeah, that's right. And uh, my uh, the brother Lucas, which we've already covered, it, it said the Liverpool comeback in Champions League. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. How how Rocky managed to beat Ivan Drago, I'll never know. <laughs> I so, know, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was incredible. Uh, Lado, we didn't ask you what the most hideous thing you've ever eaten was. Oh, um, Liz and I went snowboarding for the first time in Bulgaria. Cheap holiday. Um, <laughs> How was the food? And, uh, the, well, the food, when we, the food when we arrived was, um, yeah, worth... I'd rather go hungry, and that's saying something for me. Um, anyway, part of the holiday, they said about this special Bulgarian evening. So they thought, oh, a bit of culture. Well, let's 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 buy it. Let, let's do this Bulgarian evening. And the annoying thing is, our group were going on a night out that night. Um, so we, we did the culture bit, and we sat there, and we, and we sat opposite the most boring couple ever. And they, I don't know what we were eating, but oh, it, it was disgusting. And we missed yeah. out on a banger of a night. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good ski trip off from that, but yeah. Good, good, good holiday crap food, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the connoisseur of food, of course, is Dan, 
who, who yeah. as a vegan, are you vegan or vegetarian? Which one are you? Uh, I'm vegetarian. So as a vegetarian, he tends to eat hideous food most of the time anyway. Um, <laughs> harsh, harsh, so, harsh. I mean, some of the food that you've mentioned in the past is like jackfruit. I mean, that would be right up there for me as a hideous bit of So where, where are we going, Dan? What are we doing with hideous food? Well... So I've got two. So I haven't always been vegetarian. So one of them is actually meat-based. Okay. So the, f- the first one when I was in Hong Kong, I had something called a century egg. It was called a hundred yes. years egg or yeah. something. Somebody else has messaged in about that as well, actually. Yeah, they sort of cure an egg for like a couple of months in like ash and stuff. It's and black they, in there, isn't they it? They bury it underground. Yeah, it goes black. It goes off. It goes see-through. It's it. I, but I thought there must be something in there. I tasted it and thought, yeah, no, you're right. There's nothing in it. It's hideous yeah really bad. so i just so liz taylor has messaged in and said she had a 100 year egg and i did a little bit of googling on what because i never i thought after being done by a was it a dodo egg i thought i need to check all, <laughs> i need to check all these all these things out now so um <laughs> so i'm like yeah april fool's day if you weren't listening april fool's day somebody sent in dodo egg i went with it went oh a dodo egg and everyone's going look at the date look at the thing oh, okay so i had to check out 100 year and it looks foul look, literally it looks it's the most royal thing in the world um Horrible. and that was eaten in hong kong which is the same as you so yeah there you go and then the other one is a, a russian dish called a holodet okay. holodet um and basically you know uh, when you cook meat for a roast yeah and then you leave a tray out and you get all that jelly yeah. stuff left behind it's basically a dish of that it literally is just a bowl of set cooked meat jelly and that's it. It's. I just couldn't understand it. It was hideous. Yeah, it doesn't sound ideal, does it? In fairness, no, <laughs> not good. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. You, like low is going. Well, I'll have that on toast. That's all right. What's wrong with that? <laughs> There's absolutely nothing wrong with a bit of jelly on the toast. Yeah, he's even got closer to the camera to check yeah. it out. He's like properly in there. We'll, we'll look out for pictures on the group chat yeah, here in the next few days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there'll be some pictures of yeah dripping all over a piece of bread. Yeah, nice. Me and Lowy love each other slots. You do. Here, you're like the breakfast good. boys, aren't you? Brothers yeah. from other mothers. Yeah, definitely. Right. Okay, Dan. Um, so your top three greatest sporting comebacks. Okay. Where, where are we heading first? So, so I am starting off. Uh, with the legends that is Nicky Lauda. Okay. So I'm sure he doesn't need much of an introduction, really. Uh, Formula One driver, uh, won the championship in uh, 1975, and then he won it later in 77, I think, in 83. Yeah. So in the 1976 German Grand Prix at the Nürburgring Nordschleife, which is the <laughs> hideously... Yeah, there you go. It's a 14-mile... 160 corner track, which is just really, really dangerous track. Um, so Nicky Lauda, he was uh, vying for the title with uh, James Hunt at the time. And he hit the barriers. His car burst into flames, um, spun across the track, got hit by another two cars. Um, he was sat in his car for at least about 30 seconds to a minute with it just burning around him. Um, he ended up having third-degree burns um, all the way down the right side of his head and face, and, and, and face. Sorry, uh, he's got a scorch. He had a scorched ear. Um, he inhaled burning fuel, and it and it burnt his lungs from the inside. Um, he ended up getting them out of the car, and they rushed him to hospital. Um, and straight away, there was a priest there, and he read him his final rites, 
um, just because they just assumed he was never going to come back from, from that yeah. injury and die. And in the, there's an autobiography of a lado called To Hell and Back, um, where he said that he could hear the priest reading him his, 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 his uh, final rites, and that spurred him on to think, I'm not going to die today. Like, I've got a championship to fight for. Um, and what's amazing about this, so those are utterly horrific injuries. 40 days later, he's back in the car at Monza, ready to race. So literally, he 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 apparently he he turned down lots of facial reconstruction surgery so he could get back in the car to fight for the championship, um, which is why he was like so hideously scarred afterwards because he just didn't didn't do the um, the surgery at the time. Um, he said that as soon as his eyelids had recovered, that was it. He said he was ready to race and he was putting the the, the helmet on to go. Now. He missed out on the championship that year by one point of James Hunt, but then he comes back the next year and wins the world championship. It's an amazing story. Yeah, yeah. I, I never knew that about Nicky Lauder, to be honest. Um, amazing story. I, I mean, it makes you wonder, how do you get, you go through all that, how do you get back in that car? I know. It's bizarre, So, so, it? so he has said, so I've seen interviews with him, where he said that he had a lot of bravado at the time, but then... When he got in that car at Monza, he said that just went away, and he said he was terrified, and it was a difficult race for him. Mm-hmm. But once you know, but it was like it was that kind of you just got to get back on the horse, yeah, sort of thing. And yeah, yeah, just it's incredible, incredible isn't it? brilliant, well done, nice yeah. one. That's number one. Okay, so next one is uh, we're going to the Crucible in 1985, and this is Dennis Taylor against Steve Davis. Yeah. Uh, now, I absolutely love this. I remember watching this as a kid as well. Um, just to set the scene, so you've got Steve Davis, who has just won uh, the last two uh, world champions. Uh, and going into his third in a row, you've got uh, Dennis Taylor, who hasn't been in a final since 1979, and he lost that final as well. Um, and it's what... It, 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 this was quite amazing. It was watched by 18.5 million people on the BBC as well. That's how that's how popular snooker was, you know, sort of in the in the mid 80s. It's the best out of 33, uh, 35 frame match. So it's the first uh, 18 frames. Uh, the match started. Steve Davis won all seven frames of the opening session. Absolutely destroyed Taylor. Um, they went in for a break. They came out. Uh, Davis won the next one as well to take an eight nil lead. Um, Taylor, uh, so Dennis Taylor then really dug deep. He won the next six of the next seven frames, and he was able to pull it back to nine seven overall uh, overnight. So that, so that was the first bit of comeback. Uh, so they come in the next day for the match. Uh, Davis again pulled away to a eleven eight lead, um, and then Taylor again had to dig deep and tied it up at 11 frames all. Uh, for the rest of the match, Davis would go ahead a couple of couple of frames and Taylor would bring it back. Uh, they got to the last frame, so it was 17 all. Um, and so it, you know, whoever wins the next frame is going to be championship. Davis takes a 62-44 lead in that frame. Um, so there's four balls left. Taylor needs all of the balls to uh, take the match. He pops the uh, brown, the blue, the pink, 
He misses a shot on the black. And then there's a bit of a rally of shots between uh, Davis and uh, Taylor trying to get the black in. And then uh, Dennis Taylor at 12.23 a.m. actually pops the black and wins the, wins the title. It's one of the Absolutely great celebrations, wasn't it, from Taylor? He sort of went yeah, stuck in his queue in the air. Who was he doing that to? He was sort of wagging his finger at somebody, didn't he? Do you ever? Did you, did you... Uh, yes, he was doing that. Yeah, I don't know who he, was, who he was doing that to, but yeah, he was wagging his finger as well, wasn't he? And that was one of the... Up, but... I mean, I have to say, you described... I was quite excited then about snooker just for a minute. You, you kind of exactly. had me on the edge of my seat then, which was amazing. And that's why I like it, because you've got frame after frame and you've got them coming back and... Yeah, yeah brilliant. let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> No. <laughs> so num- number three <laughs> okay so this is a guy that I'm, I, I'm I'm gonna guess none of you have heard of is Ian Hutchinson anyone heard of him I think I have but I don't know why okay so so he's also called he's called Hutchie but uh so he's a he, he's a road racer okay. motorbike no I am and he does the uh Alaman yeah. TT as well so in 2010 he was Right at the top of his game, he won five races um, at the Isle of Man TT in 2010. Never been done before. That was a record. And he went on to win the Northwest 200. Um, now, that that was amazing. And, you know, he, he was doing so well. And then weeks later, he had a horrific accident and absolutely smashed his uh, left leg to bits. Um, now... He was told again, a bit like Louder. So, so Hutchie was told he will never walk again. Um, he went through thirty operations um, on his leg. Wow. He was told that he that they were going to um, amputate his foot. And apparently, Hutchie just led there and said, "You're not taking my um, foot. I need it." Um, and when they said why, he said, "Because I'm not, otherwise, I'll never ride a bike again." And apparently everyone in the room was just like, you are never going to ride a bike again. And he was like, yeah, trust me, I am. <laughs> um, he started to come back. Um, he then had another accident as he was on the long uh, trail coming back. He broke it again in 2012, which made him another setback. He, his leg was in a cage and he had to, he had to, they had to keep pulling his, um, the bone in his leg apart to, to, to grow more bone. So he was growing it like one million, one millimeter a day or something. Um, so after after all of that, um, he reconfigures his bike so he can change gear with his right leg. Um, so then, because he hasn't got a lift in his left foot to to to, to change gear, uh, he comes back to the TT in 2015 and he wins three titles that year. Yeah. Um, and then 2016, another three Arleman TT titles and won another two in 2017. So he's now got 16 overall, um, which is just incredible. You know, just yeah. what a comeback. There's a film called uh, Hutchie Miracle Man. Yeah. And um, if anybody wants to look out for it, um, just all about his recovery and things. It's just okay. incredible. Amazing. He has now also crashed again in 2017 um, and he's broken his femur, but he's vying to make a comeback again. Good man. Good man. Love that. Now, I have got a fourth one. I have got a fourth one. Just a quick one. And hang on. Don't do a lower. You can't do a lower. Yeah, hang, on, hang on. Hang on. Is... Hang on. You're listening to the Dan Knight Show. It's Dougie Stain Radio. <laughs> <laughs> this is the comeback of the season ticket. Yes. Oh, I like that. I like that. Did any of you ever think... No, nobody thought of that. Nobody thought of that. <laughs> Dan goes to the top of the class, definitely, with that. 
absolutely. They win in the top three anyway. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's the season to get his Ducky Stone radio. You are listening to Brimo on Dougie Stone Radio. We're freaking global. These lads still look like they're having far too much fun during songs, I've got to say. I kind of want to play some more music, mate. I just want to be on the bench, really. I think that's, that's where all the action <laughs> seems to be taking place. That's where you usually are, Brimo. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, that was harsh, wasn't it? Ooh, is, that the vegetar- is that the vegetarian? Is chipping <laughs> that was chipping <laughs> He's getting a bit brave, and he? he must have a bit of gruss or leftover from a bit of meat he used to eat. Right, uh, Ash. <laughs> How you doing, Ash? You okay? Yeah, not too bad, mate. You? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Not too bad. Can't grumble, thank you. Um, so, top three great in, greatest sporting comebacks. But before we do that, I sense that you're a man that would absolutely have eaten something hideous in your time. No, not massively. I'm I'm going to throw the the one that really rustles me though is, is pineapple in cooked food. That really gets my. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I can't. I, do you can't, know what? We should do that next pineapple week. Pineapple on a pizza. Right. The, the food that rustles you the most next week. <laughs> That'd be a great subject. What food makes you annoyed? I mean, for me, for, for me yeah, for me, it's pasta all day long. Pasta just drives oh. me just drives me insane. Pasta, but hey, that's another story. How many how many years have you coming to my house for tea, mate? Yeah, I eat pasta a lot of laddos. <laughs> <laughs> but I I love Lizzie. I'm, I love Lizzie. I she's Liz, great. I hope she's not listening. Lizzie, right? there she will. I'll, I'll probably get a message in a minute from her. But but I love Lizzie, so I don't I don't kick up, I don't kick up a fuss, do I? I just go with it and roll with it. If Lado was dishing me pasta, I'd just say look, I'd just rather have a bowl of chips, mate. In fairness, but um, but no. I would like to come Move to tea. On. I would like to come to tea again, Lado, at some stage. But um, yeah, yeah, I'll wait for her to invite you. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll wait. I'll wait to be invited in future. <laughs> right, top three, Ash. Where are we going? First one. Um, no, no surprise. We're going to go to the states for a couple. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to go with Irvin Johnson Jr. Yep. Otherwise known as Magic, Magic Johnson. Johnson. Yep. His his story is incredible. Um, I picked this one up a few years back on a 30 for 30, one of the ESPN shows and highlighted again when we, when we watched the last dance uh, yeah. recently, his, his career, he played from 79 through to 91, <laughs> uh, was part of the dream team in, in, in 92 that won the, the gold at, uh, at the Olympics. And it was the first team that, that they picked professional players in, um, but diagnosed with um, HIV when he was uh, back before the start of the, the 91, 92 basketball season. Yeah. Opened up, opened up an absolutely massive can of worms for him at the time, um, sort of nationally as well because of yeah, particularly his responses. Particularly at home with the misses. Well, the the this this the transpired how he how he got it. He was uh, let's say promiscuous. This was probably the right word <laughs> yeah. to, to say. Yeah, uh, but um, he used that to, to his advantage. He, he retired in 1991-92, but played in the Olympics. But then made a comeback and played again. In 1996, so he he actually took over as manager for a couple of years because he still had his playing contract, but played again in 96. Yeah, Ch- changed uh, people's perceptions. Uh, I think quite a bit of the, the owner or the, the you know HIV. Yeah, um, became a massive champion for it and and people's rights and an advocate for it. And I just I just find it really inspirational. Yes, the way he got it was probably you know it's a topic for another time, but. The fact that he he left the sport, he said in 1998 that he, he quit in 92, not under his own volition. He, he walked away from the sport because he felt that was the right thing to do. Yeah. 
lots of, lots of players didn't want to be on the court. But after he quit in ninety ninety six season, he left on his own terms. He, yeah. he had unfinished business. I just say it's a really inspiring story. Yeah, no, you're actually right. I mean, because back then, um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Me, Lado, Lowy, definitely. <laughs> Would have been sort of in that in that that period of the early nineties. Age was a massive sort of. Well, it was a huge thing, wasn't it? You got AIDS, well, the, you, you the, died, the, didn't you? you yeah, well, there yeah. was there was so much lack of understanding yeah. about it, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it was it was initially it was just just attributed to people who were who were gay, and then they realised yeah. that was completely rubbish. Um, but the people were, were, you know, things like Princess Diana with her. her uh, making contacts and yeah, with, with, with patients, touching and, hands, and, yeah, yeah, and, and actually, you know, not being afraid and try, trying to dispel the myths about it. So, so I mean, there's there's a thirty for thirty about the announcement of when that yeah. goes out there, which I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, it's it's just 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 huge. Out, One you know, of the things that amazed me about the last dance was actually that there was. I mean, I know it wasn't the story about Magic Johnson, but. Nobody seemed to have an issue with, with being around him or being in a changing room with him. Or I thought he came across. So, I loved him. Yeah, he just—he he was so funny. Yeah, and but, the way he was like he, he's such a legend. Yet he—he he still recognised the you know how how great Jordan was yeah. with no 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 worries about it, no attitude no ego about it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. he seemed to get on so well with with the, with the rest. He was yeah. great. But I think you're right, Lado. The the documentary, the announcement shows a bit of the other side with the reaction of a number of players who. Who sort of almost at legal action to not to not be on a court with him, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah I'm sure yeah. there was some of that because it was a, a massive taboo thing, wasn't it? At, the t- at that point, great stuff mm-hmm. though. It's a great, it's a great shout, Ash. A really good one. That is right, number two. I'm going to stay in the states for the second one. Yeah. Um, okay. and I've got the 2004 American League Championship Series in baseball. Okay, it's the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, Red Sox. I remember when in the previous incarnation of the show we talked about the uh, curse of the Bambino, yeah. Babe Ruth. Red Sox hadn't won a World Series since 1918, I think, from the top of my head. Um, again, there's, there's a great documentary on this called Four Days in October, an ESPN one. Um, Red Sox went three 0 down in in the series. And this is to essentially the semi-finals to get into the World Series. Yeah, they went three 0 down, three 0 down in games. Um, in, the, in the third game, they actually lost 19-8 um, at home in Boston. The first two were in New York, and they lost the, the third game. The, they went into the change rooms after the game. The, very similar to, to the story Lado gave us about the, the Liverpool team and the, the Milan players. They were cocky, the Yankees, set, you know, saying how they could wait to win it and wrap it up in, in Boston like the following night, three games down. Um and they came back and won 4-3. Still to this day, the only team to be able to come back from 3-0 down in games to win a seven-game series, 4-3. Um, but the run of results is just phenomenal. I'll, I'll just go through them. Game one, the Yankees won 10-7 uh, in New York. Game two, the Yankees won 3-1 in New York. Game three, the Yankees obliterated the Red Sox 19-8 yeah. uh, in Boston. They were written off everywhere in the press. Game four, uh Yankees lost 4-6, so 6-4 to Red Sox in Boston. Game 5 actually went to 14 innings. It was a ridiculously long game. Um, Red Sox won 5-4. Game 6, um, they won 4-2 and in New York, and they actually wrapped up the, the comeback 10-3 in the seventh game in New York. But the, the, the kind of two caveats, the two bits that, that kind of you take from it, is in the, in the fourth game, they were only three outs away um, 
from, from losing the game. Yeah. Uh, and they, man- they managed to get a player on base. Um, they snuck a steal, stole a base as well, tied up the game um, and, and managed to get it. And Mariano Riviera, who's, who's a name some of you might know or might not know, is, is probably the greatest closer in, in baseball history. He used to come out to um, enter Sandman by Metallica when he walked out because he, oh, he put, nice. put, put, put batters to sleep at the end of a game. Um unbelievable he blew it and he never blew games I think his record for blowing games was tiny in, in sort of a 20 year career he blew it in, in game four and then a, a guy called Kurt Schilling um, who's who's a bit of a questionable character he's a big character he um, tore a tendon in his ankle um, before game six um, but managed to pitch seven innings in it and by about the sixth inning they, they wore white white socks um, blood had poured through and his right ankle was actually red so he, you know did the whole thing he had a red sock from blood playing for the Red Sox. It was just unreal. And, and again, there's a, an incredible 30 for 30 documentary called uh, Four Days in October. They went on, won the World Series for the first time since uh, since 1918. And the rest is history. They're, they've dominated. Well, they've, yeah, baseball. I could say they've never looked back, have they? No. Uh, but three, three, three outs from, from losing 4 0 to their. But, you know, Red Sox, Red Sox Yankee, I, I think Lowy said he went last year, like I did, to the, to the game in London. Red Sox Yankees is your big big rivalry over yeah, there. It's, yeah. it's your Manchester United Liverpool. So to pull that back, um, unbelievable comeback. Good stuff. Great stuff. Right, and the third one. Third one. I've jumped back in time, 1954. I'm going to Bern, Switzerland, the World Cup final, West Germany uh, against Hungary. The Hungarians at the time had won thir- or had been unbeaten in 31 games going into the World Cup. Uh, final that year, including their group group stage games. Obviously, it's a smaller tournament, but within the tournament, they'd actually beaten the the West Germans in the group stage eight three. They'd beaten uh, South Korea nine nil to to get through, and they also knocked out Uruguay, who were the current holders, uh, and Brazil on the way to the final. Uh, they played West Germany. The game absolutely chucked it down. They were favourites. They had players like uh, Hidaguti, Seabor, Puskas playing for them. They had the WM formation, if, if anybody there is a bit of a, a geek like I am with the old you know, football tactics. They just tore teams to shreds uh, going forward with, with that attack. Went 2-0 up very quickly in the game. They scored, um, I mean, Pruska scored and Seaver scored 2-0 up after eight minutes. Uh, the Germans pulled one back after 10 minutes and, and after 18 minutes it was at 2-2. The interesting thing about this game, though, is uh, they didn't score the winner, the Germans, until the 84th minute to win the game. But it was the first major final that uh, a team, a whole team, wore a pair of branded football boots. So they wore Adidas uh, boots. Okay. And they had, um, the weather was absolutely horrific. And I've seen some of the video footage of it. It's, it's really wet. And a lot of the players were losing their foot in. And they were able to change their studs at half time. So there was four, four goals in the first 18 minutes. And they went off at half time. And um, Adi Dazzler was part of the team there. They changed their studs. They went for longer studs, came out. And won the second half in a pair of branded boots for, for the first time and won three two. Well, that's a good bit of history there. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. It was it was one suggested by um, by uh, Dave Wilcox okay, uh, yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. and um, and it's one that I'd seen on a documentary a few years back. So it's an interesting story. That one. He's quite like, an, like he's quite one. a knowledgeable guy, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> he, he likes the voice of the opinion as well. So uh, he does. Yeah. Okay, we're going to play a tune for you That's now. Good. So, so your tune and choice was Future Islands. This is a bit Seasons. Of a, Future Islands are the bat on a song, aren't they? Seasons is the song. Um, it's a bit yeah, of a banger. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. 
Let's talk. More music. Daggy Stone Radio. 24-7. Online happiness. Exactly. Nice tune, yeah. It's a nice tune. It's a bit different, isn't it? It's a little bit different from what we normally play, but yeah, it's good. It's good good stuff. It's, be, it's, it's been an educational round tonight, hasn't it, boys? What, the, the music? Or stories. The story? Yeah, stories. no, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good that um, I like, you know, for, for me... It, it, you guys picking a song east means I don't have to worry about doing another playlist. So yeah, I got like that. It, it makes it makes it a bit easier. Um, so yeah, there you go. Right, okay. Um, up next is uh, Shep with his own t-shirt brand, Team Shepherd. <laughs> How you doing, mate? You okay? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Good man. Good man. Right. So top three <coughs> sporting comebacks is our sporting topic. Our food topic is what is the most hideous thing you've ever eaten? And some people have gone with it. Some people haven't. I'm going to go with it. Um, I thought you would meringue. M- really? Yeah, because yeah. and I've and I've got a, a a deep disliking to meringue because I was a little boy with my <laughs> mum shopping. Um, and we went past a like a patisserie or a, sh- uh, a cake shop or whatever, and I saw this what looked what I thought was a beautifully sort of ice creamy cake. Yeah. And I was nagging my mum to get it, nagging my mum to get it. So I went in, we bought it, and I picked it up expecting this to be really soft and sweet. And I crunched through it like it was a surfboard. Like, I can't get over it. It makes me... I can't do meringue even now. That's amazing. You're literally the only person I've ever met that's got that deep hatred of meringue. But, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely overrated. I agree. Yeah, no, no. I think, it, I think you're absolutely right. It does look better than what it tastes. Yeah. You sort of bite into it and you go, oh, it's like a bit carbon and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like watching your favourite League One football club. It's a bit like that. You feel a little bit, you feel a little bit disappointed. Right, let's, let's let's move on from that. So your top three sporting comebacks, yeah? Where are we going? Yeah, so I've I've gone. I've, I'm going to rugby to start off with, and then veering um, well away. So um, okay. uh, just an individual um, from rugby, uh, Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, he had a 17-year playing career, um, made his England international debut at 18. Um, and then in the same year, participated in in an infamous tour of hell to Austra- Australia and South Africa. Yeah. Um, when when England got absolutely spanked, and there were thirty eight players on that tour, and he was only one of five um, that sort of made it through to any sort of decent international career. Yeah. Um, he, he clearly, obviously, did what he did with um, with England in two thousand and three. But I want to talk again, sort of post two thousand and three. Um, he had a shoulder operation upper arm operation, three knee operations. He lacerated a kidney. And that was just between 2003 and 2007. Um, in, in the space of 18 months following the Rugby World Cup final, he played 18, I suppose he played 10 times. His um, net, so after the World Cup final in 2003, his next international match was the farcical British and Irish Lions versus Argentina in Cardiff. Right. Is, is the match after that, his next international match, he was rested from that Argentina game to the very first test when they played New Zealand and, and, and got beaten. He scored the only points, scored three. Um, he then um, went, got injured again, ankle injury, 2007 World Cup. He missed the first, the opening games against the USA and South Africa. Um, and then um, to follow in 2007, had a real real dip in form. There were other sort of fly-offs floating around, one in the, the shirt, young Danny Cipriani, Toby Flood. Um, Charlie Hodgson uh, they're all sort of nipping at his heels um, he he had some shoulder, shoulder, shoulder surgery, it's easy for me to say um, in 2008 2009 and then was allegedly back to his best 
um, but limped out of a game with well, not didn't limp out, was carried out of a game with a dislocated knee in the same season. End of that season, the 2009 season, he signed for Toulon. Yeah, um, and he was the first part of you know the rugby equivalent of a Gal- the Galacticos, um, and obviously then Toulon, the, the owner of Toulon, sort of built a team around Johnny. Um, and in that sort of five-year spell there, he won back-to-back European Championships, retiring at the end of the 2013-2014 season. Won the top 14 the same year. Um, Runners-up in the top 14, 2011-2012, um, 2012-2013. Um, and the European Cups are sort of the, the um, Tim Pot Trophy, the European Tim Pot Trophy runner-up in 9-10-11-12. So again, just that sort of... the the height of the 2003 followed by some probably some very very dark days um but yeah. just yeah just Incredi- coming back and, yeah. and going you yeah, think we forget how, real... how many injuries he actually had don't we because when when somebody retires and you look back on and we look back at that pivotal moment and that's kind of what yeah. he's remembered best for and you forget about the torturous times he would have had with those injuries so yeah great stuff okay number two Shep. Uh, number two, um, listeners, fans of the show will, will, will know I'm a huge um, Ali fan. Um, so I want to talk about 24-year-old Muhammad Ali refusing induction into the US military yeah. um, to, to fight in Vietnam um, because black people weren't treated the same as white people in America. Now, that's obviously changing um, quite a bit. Um, and uh, Lather will go quiet charged. now. <laughs> no, it's, just too, it's too important. You can't go quiet on this. That's the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Very true. Um, uh, he was charged with draft evasion and stripped of his titles and lost the period of peak performance for any athlete sort of between 25 um, to 29. Yeah. He came, he was, uh, the, this decision was overturned in 1971 um, and he went on then to, to fight uh, to fight Fraser three times, Joe Fraser three times, beating him twice, once on a decision to return uh, and uh uh, he lost on the decision, sorry, the first fight, won the second one, and the third one on decisions, the thriller in Manila. Um, he retained the title, won the title back from George Foreman at 32 years old to 10 years after he won it against Sonny Liston. He he, he, he won it back um, in in uh, in the Rumble in the Jungle in 1974. And then as a 36-year-old, and, and we all know, again, that the, the story of his life and how perhaps this was a bridge too far, but he won it a third time in, in September 1978 when he beat Leon Spinks. Mm. Um, and for somebody to, you know, for any athlete to lose those that period of his career or their career um, and still end up as legendary as yeah. as, as he is, um, is probably a you know is a, is another serious sort of comeback. Completely agree. For me. Completely agree. He was not only in the ring but out of the ring. He was streets ahead of his time, wasn't he? Yeah, in he, terms of he's different class, standing different up, class. standing for something, and having a belief in something. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah, he, and he wasn't. You know, imagine him now; he would be absolutely brilliant now, wouldn't he? In mm. this modern time now, imagine Ali now. It'd be, it'd be incredible, real yeah. spokesperson yeah. and eloquent with it as well. Yeah, absolutely, brilliant stuff. Okay, number three, uh, and my final one, very very quickly, um, and I know sort of part of it's already been touched on. Um, uh, but um, I'm going to talk about um, the 26th of May 1999, um, Manchester United versus Bayern Munich in the European Cup final. Yes. Um, and I remember watching it in the pub as a 19-year-old. And, uh, you know, I support any team, I- I- any English team in, in European competitions. And yeah. I was in there with some, with some friends. And uh, after this, in six minutes, in the sixth minute, um, 
Basler scores and, and Bayern go one nil up. And from what I remember, it was a fairly even game all the way through, and there were chances for both teams. But then there was a uh, an incident right at the very, very end of the game when um, Mehmet Scholl chipped Schmeichel, and Schmeichel was absolutely nowhere. And the ball hit the post and bounced back into a flounder in Schmeichel's arms. And I took, looked to my mate and I said, United are going to win this. Yeah. Um, and he said, oh, no, 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 no. And obviously then, you know, we know the history that happens. Um the, you know, shot the, the Sheringham um, 90 plus one goal and then the Solskjaer 90 plus three. But the reason it resonates with me it is it's not as a Man United fan, it's not as a fan of, of British football, it's, it's I'm a big believer in divine intervention mm. um, from, from some personal experience and from other things. Um, and I, I don't think there's any sort of um, fluke in the fact that, that you know, Matt, Matt Busby died in 1994, massive Manchester United figure. Um, that ball goes over Schmeichel. This is the first real opportunity they've got of, of doing something they haven't done before or haven't done for a long time, and it hits the post. Yeah. And then, and then to go on and to to to, to score twice in the sort of the, the dead of injury time, um, you know, it's, it's very very similar. And I know Lance has already talked about the miracle of Medina again. You know, European European uh, European golf being down as far as they were yeah. a year after Seve dies, and then all of a sudden this. You know, this just something takes over. Um, so yeah, it makes me. Well, it's it's what I believe. Yeah, yeah. And 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 therefore, it makes it special to me. And there are you know there are hundreds of other things that you could you know you could clar- yeah. clas- you could claim it is. But yeah. equally, I I think it's there's something else a bit bigger involved. Janka hit the bar as well, didn't he? He hit the bar yeah. as well after that with a bicycle kick. Um, yeah. You, know, you, you don't look re- at the that's game. What I'm saying. You don't remember those bits, do you? you just now remember you like won it. Effectively, but yeah, it was, a, it was some game, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. I, I, yeah, so I, I think uh, that's well, that's definitely my, yeah, my that's third. cool, that's cool, very spiritual. I like that, I like that. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a whole new, whole new look, whole new look. Um, I've had a, an, an awkward message in from Mrs. Lado saying, So I hear you don't like my cooking. You should have said <laughs> all these years, and I didn't know, mortified. <laughs> So I now need to make a gr- somebody help me out. But hey, Lado, go now. We're or something. Lado's like, Lado's like, no, no, Lado's no. I'm not doing anything. Right. Um, top five Mrs. Lado's food. Yeah. My t- so next week's topic is going to be my top five favourite Lizzie dishes um, <laughs> that are pasta based. Um, gonna gonna play our record of the month. This is Kyoko. It's Dougie Stone Radio. Like you are listening to Brimo on Dougie Stone Radio. We're freaking global. Okay, that is a bit of Kyoko. I'm conscious that we seem to just keep we keep taking sections of the show out, yet we still seem to have the ability to completely overrun. We'll do top one next week. Yeah, we go from top five to top three. Um, but anyway, Kev's up next. So, Kev, how are you doing? All right, Mark. I'm good, mate. I'm good. So, uh, we've already covered it. Your stomach's all in one piece for this week, so we're all good with that. So, uh, let's just jump straight into it. Top three sporting events and most hideous food. Where do you want to go first? Well, the hideous food one. I know you love my stories about my bowels, but they normally start off with food that I've actually really enjoyed. Yeah. So, when I was thinking about this earlier, I was thinking about really hideous foods. I told you last time that I spent some time in Russia. I had my 17th birthday in Russia and the family that I was staying with in the, in like a, an apartment, they made me a cake that was made of cabbage and they gave me a, a, a bar of chocolate that smelled like cheese. But oh. I had 
it, it was it was disgusting and yeah. I, but I, I couldn't say anything because I couldn't work out originally when I first went there they put me up in this flat with this family there was the mother and the father two kids the grandmother who was in her 80s lived with them and it was a two-bedroom flat and I couldn't figure out how they'd give me a bedroom all to myself <laughs> until I woke up for a pee at three o'clock in the morning one night and the grandmother was asleep in the bathtub <laughs> So they were making their 18-year-old grandmother sleep in the bathtub. So I didn't feel like I could complain about the cabbage cake or the chocolatey cheese. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think you just trump Lance. I love, I love when you're going to stay with somebody and somebody else is, hey, I love all that stuff. Cause, so when I was I was 17, I went, I was in Korea, South Korea, and I went to stay with a South Korean family. It was right at the end of the trip. We'd been on this big like, three-week trip, and we were put in home hospitality, and I was sat in this South Korean house. So it was, it was, you know, little kid, the husband, wife, and he just we were eating this meat dish. And he went, "Oh, do you, you like dog?" And I'm like, <laughs> "What?" And he said, and he must have saw my face as went green. And he said, "No, no, no, no." He said, and this little poodle walks into the front room. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God's sake. But I've never, I've never forgotten that. And I didn't fancy like, eating it thereafter. But. Um, to finish off the story, yeah. I, I actually I, I pulled the door to and went back to bed and I and I, and I never said anything about it and I I let an eighty year old woman sleep in a bathtub for another ten days. She looks. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a bit she of form now, haven't you? You got a bit. Did you bring your NHS card out and say again? Oh, sorry, I'm a hero. You stay in that bath. Yeah. Amazing. Right, let's, let's just jump into your uh, top three because we right haven't got on. long. So, but we nearly made it through a whole show without mentioning Bristol Rovers. Yeah, good. Well done, but mate. For me, well done. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've dragged us back round to it. But for me, it, it's a player and just how his career turned around. And it's a young man called Billy Bowden. Yes. Who? Oh, great show. Now, he um, his career-threatening injuries more than once, knee ligament injuries. He's released by Swindon. He's released by Torquay. Other people might not have heard of him because we're not a big club or anything like that. But you know, sometimes when players earn a move by doing well, and sometimes they don't always leave on the best of terms, I don't think you could name anybody that would question Billy Bowden when he left, because he he, he earned the right to get a move away. Yeah. And he's probably the most skilled player I've seen in a generation down there. <laughs> and he, he really sort of kicked us on when we came back up to the league. Scored amazing goals with both feet. You can see them all on YouTube. And yeah. he scored more headers than you think as well earned himself a move to Preston, earned himself a debut for Wales, and then he got injured again. So he yeah. could have another comeback story to come. I really hope he does. Yeah, he, He's a guy that I would actually really love to see come back to us. But Yeah, I, I, it never will. But for his sake, you know, you'd hope he's going to kick on a bit, but yeah. he, he just, you just worry a bit because of the, the, the injuries again. He's, so, um, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a special player. He was, he was a really special player. Yeah. And he was he was uh, basically only signed because Ellis Harrison said, "Yeah, I would give my mate a trial." Well, it was literally that. Wasn't yeah, it? well, you know, if you've been released by Swindon and Torquay in your career, that's a couple of yeah. things to not come back from. But yeah. no, he did really well. Good stuff. Right, number two. Number two, uh, take you to the 1966 World Cup, 23rd of July, Goodison Park, the quarterfinal. Uh, so it's North Korea versus Portugal. Yeah. So this is another story to look at as well. When you look into it, the story of North Korea in this World Cup is amazing. Yeah. They, they knocked Italy out on the way. Uh, uh, the team with Facetti, Mazzola, Rivera. Anyway, they're 3-0 up. And then Eusebio steps up, scores four goals in about half an hour. 
and uh, Portugal turn it around to win 5-3. Mm. So it's really the story of Eusebio, who was probably the, even though England won that World Cup, he was probably the greatest role model to come out of it as the first sort of, apart from Pele, the first real black footballer to really kick on. Yeah. And when, when you look at his career as well, he lived in Mozambique till he was 18. He was poached from a, a club there and taken over to Portugal and then became a Portuguese icon as well. Yeah. Um, and a real role model for black youngsters and uh, an amazing player. When I was a kid, um, my dad always compared great players to Eusebio. Yeah, he's all right, but he's no Eusebio. You know, he's that, it was that it, for my dad. It was that kind of that was his that was his marker. Um, his, his marker's got lower over the years. As he's watched Rovers more, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, Ian Rush was all right, but he's no Eusebio. Always remember that as a kid. Always remember that. But uh, yeah, no, great player. Great player. And who's your third one? Right. Uh, number three is the original Headingley Miracle. So uh, I would have been about seven years old at this time. Um, Headingley, 1981. Um, England, the, the country at the time was a pretty miserable place, to be honest with you. It was a pretty yeah. grey, dark place. England in the cricket, we, we were just hopeless. Both of them had been captain for like 13 tests, hadn't won one of them. After the second test of this series, we were 1-0 down. Everybody was miserable. Botham bagged a pair in the second test and then he resigned, to which chairman of selectors Alec Bedzer says, well, I was going to sack you anyway. Yeah. Publicly, all over the papers, just made a fool of him. Brings in Mike Brearley. Yep. Um, so Brearley was a man who knew Botham and knew how to manage him. So Botham was still in the squad. But even then, the, this next, the third test, they started really badly. Australia scored 401 for nine and then bowled England out for 174. So they were putting them in to follow on. And it's about this point that Dennis Lilly for uh, Australia got the team driver to go and put 15 quid on England at 500 to 1. Um, somebody, I think, basically upset both of them because he, he was a man possessed yeah. it, when he came out. Uh, he scored 149 in partnership with Dilly, Oldham, and Willis. And then Bob Willis went mental then and took eight wickets. So eventually, England, uh, having booked themselves out of their hotel on the fourth morning, they all had to rush back in and book themselves in again for another day <laughs> because it's only, they won by 18 runs in the end. It's only the second time a team following on has won. And I just wanted to mention one of my favourite cricket writers, a chap called Marcus Berkman. Yeah. He's written some really good um, books about um, village cricket and things like that. Ed Obit. He said, whether it helped to revive a nation is really beside the point, but it did emphasise how uplifting great sporting triumphs especially ones that defy reason and disbelief can be a benefit for the public good, the common weal more prosaically, but equally significantly it rekindled affection for a team, the game and a singular hero. And what he's saying there is like how one game, one amazing performance, one turnaround can change a perception of a sport and an other team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Really good way to finish those. Love that. Um, Lowy has finally found a food that he doesn't like. What was it, Louis? Tripe. 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 <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's just messaged me halfway through the show. Brimmer, I'll find the food I don't like. <laughs> like almost Louis, like he's been, been, he's been out to his fridge and tasted trying, everything. <laughs> so that's great. Brilliant. Lads, that was amazing. That was an amazing sort of round. There was loads of, so many different, again, the, 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 the content and the knowledge 
and some of the history behind some of the stories has been brilliant again tonight. So well done, everybody. Well done. You all did a great job as usual. Thank you, Mike. I've also Next done a... Next week, boy. Yeah, go on. Next week, boys. I think we should do the tens. Not for that. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Decision top, made. Top one ten. Top, top. <laughs> well, we'll go with top, top tens. We got time for that. Top three tens. <laughs> top three. Still gonna stick with top, top three. Top three yeah, moments top three. of the tens is top three moments from the two thousand and tens. Absolutely. So yeah, that'd be an interesting one. There's some good ones in there as well. And uh, yeah, well, good. I've done a pretty good job of groveling to Mrs. Ladd, so I'm out of the out of the uh, out of the, the mire, I believe. <laughs> Um, she's just sent me a smiling face, so I think I'm back in favour. I'm not sure. Uh, so it's not a grimace. It's, no, I think it's a, it's a laughing face. So I think I'm all right, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> that I will get fed pasta forevermore when I come to the Lado's <laughs> restaurant of choice. But there you go. Right, lads. Thank you very much. Great night. Thank you for listening to Dougie Stone Radio. Um, say goodbye, lads. Goodbye, lads. See you later. See goodbye, later, lads. Good going to back with this one from Bruce Springsteen. This is Kev's Choice of the Night. And here comes Hurst. He's got. Some people are on the pitch, they think it's all over. It is battle. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet. The season ticket on Dougie Stone Radio. In association with Inspired to Change Bristol. Helping to get your life back on track.